At that time, we were living in Canton, my daughter and I, in what is said to be the largest port in the world. The Cantoners justify this claim by equating the harbor with the entire country. Considering the shape of the land and water, mostly water, that makes up Canton, I will give them no argument. We were residing at the medical college, where I was translating manuscripts and she was pretending not to teach, when I read in a newspaper that King Rudolph of Valonia was dead. I remember I was in a coffee shop, and the paper I was reading, I have good vision for my age, was not mine, but belonged to my neighbor to the left. There was some small disagreement about the possession of the paper, which in my astonishment and shock I did not notice. When I became aware of myself again, I was holding the owner of the paper, with his hand locked behind his back in violation of both his rights and his dignity. I remedied both of these slights with money, for the cantoners have a very commercial sense of honor, and I took the paper outside. I sat on a box, I think, and I am fairly certain there was a ship unloading only a hundred feet away, across the stone paving of Wharf Promenade. There were cries in the air, sailors or birds, I don't remember. It was as though this news had ripped me out from the fabric of my life and set me down once more in a place of perfect quiet, perfect misery, ears ringing, sun too bright. I knew this place well since Arlen's death. The article itself was short. It said the king had died in the capital, in his bed. In his bed, it said. I could see that bed behind my closed eyes. His father's bed and his father's before that, too narrow and short for a man of Rudolph's build and habits. I had been allowed to visit him of a morning in his royal rat's nest, where half the covers were in a ball, and the other half on the floor. He was a man who threw darts at the bedposts to punctuate his conversation, whose feet poked holes in linen sheets. My king, my fellow student, closer than brother, I felt the back of my head strike the bricks of the wall, for I was rocking in place like a child with fever. Huge man, quick and fiery, he had held my life in his hands, forfeit by law again and again, and he had let me fly free. He, who could never himself be free. Words like these tumbled around my head, but they were only words, not real feeling, not yet. Dr. Keigel found me there. I don't know how long after. I see I can bring you no news, he said. I answered him. You can tell me if it's true. The doctor sat down beside me on the crate, all in his frock coat and gabardine trousers. Even at the time, I knew it a great condescension on his part. In over a year of running argument, Professor Nazareth, we have not been able to agree upon the nature of truth. What now do you expect of me? I will say I have heard it from sources other than this poor sheet. He called me Professor, because the university here had deigned to grant me an honorary degree of Master of Arts some years since. I had no say in the matter. Knowing better, I had to ask. Then there is no chance. There is always a chance. I had asked for a platitude and had gotten one. The news must be two weeks old, at least, I thought aloud, and Keigel answered.
three, I am told. The Valonian government concealed the death for over a day, and then the winter winds make shipping slow. It took some moments for his words to form meaning in my brain. I heard the gulls. They were very loud. The government concealed the death. I looked into the doctor's eyes, trying to be calm, to see clearly. Does rumor say who killed him?